ladies and gents. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are out here in Calabasas just chilling. It's us, Drake, and the Backstreet Boys, you know what I'm saying? Doing a little vibe. We got Kitchen Nod in the back, you know what I'm saying? Trying to bring this whole house revival to the forefront, you know what I'm saying? Just, just working on melodies, working on ideas, you know what I'm saying? Getting my little two-step on, you know what I'm saying? Ready for the Ibiza, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's how we roll. <laughs> you know, Drake, like, singing with the Backstreet Boys, I thought it was great. I'm sorry. Like, Drake doesn't care. He does not care about your authenticity. <laughs> your street. Yeah, he gives no fucks. No, I, I love it. And and I you feel know. like, I feel like the, to a certain extent, like the 90s, I, I don't know, I don't really fuck with One Direction, but definitely I will see the 90s, like fucking white pop bands definitely were hitting in a certain ways. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh no, definitely. Like, like, like that was definitely a height. I feel like I, you know, it was a little uncool, but you know, I fuck with the ABBA, you know what I'm saying? Obviously in sync definitely had some soul crossing over bops. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it was an area we kind of forget, you know what I'm saying? But you know, you could definitely do some damage out there. No doubt. No doubt. No, like, like, like anything past the two thousands, I don't know if it's just like you know wax. You know, I don't know. It's just wax sauce. Like I, I feel like there's something about the nostalgia, and like the lack of social media and the lack of like, I don't know. It's a it's an innocence, a time of innocence. You know, <laughs> we just don't have any more. No, no, <laughs> except no. for K-pop. But <laughs> well, I have to think. Yeah, actually, shit. You're right. K-pop kind of brought it back. I think it's you know what it is too. It felt like going in the 90s, it felt like there was still a certain, like, I hate to say it like this, but it felt like certain black producers were still getting checks in the back in back end, kind of. Like, you yeah. know, there was still a, a, a connection somewhat to R&B, even if not explicit. It feels like once the arts hit, it was like, nope, it's just going to be pure white pop. And I think K-pop kind of fixed it just because, you know, that influence of just the pop genre in general, they were like, all right, cool, but we'll borrow from every, anything that's popping, particularly R&B, so. Yeah, it's, it's- Side note, there's a Boys to Men documentary on Netflix. All those like white boy bands from that era are all their sons. They all just like basically <laughs> stole from oh, yeah. Boys to Men. <laughs> oh yeah. More so because so. it's it, it was a certain and I, I hate it. Like, you know, like even a new kids in the block was a little fucking, you know, a little rugged. The melodies weren't the same. It was just like, all right, we've got these five guys playing in the room, but the basic like melody ideas, the way you layer the vocals, everything else, that's straight boys to men. Oh, Songwriting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh well, I guess we're not here to talk about boy bands. Nope. We're here to talk about I guess good jail time? You know <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's, it's I, I I guess like Praise the prison industrial complex for working I, in favor you know, for once. <laughs> Twice. After like twenty five years, yeah, you know, jail you know, a couple million black people. You're bound to get one right eventually. Yeah, apparently. Wow. <laughs> um. Yeah. So R. Kelly sentenced to thirty years in prison for all the things he's done. I mean, you know, the line, you know like for everything. <laughs> It's not one specific bad thing. There's like 200 many you know, bad things. Like, yeah. Like, I, 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 I mean, 
obviously justice was served. Um, it's 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 really sad that it took so long, and also too like that documentary coming out before I think people actually moved on this. It was like the biggest um, non secret of the entire music industry. Um, everybody knew this ever since the nineties. Um, you know, and I, I mean, yeah, it's like a weird, bittersweet kind of like, yes, justice is done, but also too, like, I mean, who, if this happened back in the, you know, the nineties or even the two thousands, how many, you know, uh, young girls would have been saved from, from this mess. Right. And that's kind of the sad part about it. Um, everybody kind of knew, but you know, I, I, I think when you get a certain level of, of fame and money, you become untouchable. Um, and thankfully, like, I'm not going to make that joke. Uh, thankfully, like. <laughs> our, our Kelly jokes somehow don't age well. <laughs> they, they don't. Uh, but no, they, thankfully, like, they like something happened because I, I think, like, you know, he's st- he was still up to his old, old ways. Because nobody's telling him no, and nobody's going was was punishing him. So, um, yeah, just like happy to see that actually happen. Yeah, no, it's 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 a long time coming, and like I said, it's bittersweet. I think the the problem here is the fact of where, you know, it's it it was not an open secret. Like 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 I knew somebody who basically, I, I won't say necessarily intern, but worked in the studio. And then he basically corroborated the whole like young girl coming in, him acting weird, him getting mad at him, looking like don't look in her direction, like weird orders, you know, for the way he should act around her, all, all this like things that just, you know, red flags. And, you know, to in his that guy's defense, he was like 17, 18, you know, young at that time. So maybe he didn't really kind of get what's happening. But then again, like I said, I can't really fault him because we all knew it. You know what I'm saying? This is a, this. We had the whole idea for Aaliyah to the videotape being sold, which is basically like doing Pam Anderson numbers, even though it was basically child pornography, to like, you know, Dave Chappelle jokes. It's, it's something where I kind of knew. And while justice was served, quote unquote, it's really, a, I mean, like I said, I can't really blame R. Kelly per se. Like, this is a societal failure. Like, he pushed it to the limit as much as we allowed him to do it. And I hate to say it in a fucked up way, the cynical me would say he kind of won. Like I said, it's, you know, he's going to jail for 30 years, but this is a man who's been committing crimes for like 30 years. Like, you know, nefariously yeah. fucked up crimes. It's not even something where you can kind of, you know, put it away where it's like, oh, you know, something about capitalism and drug dealing or or maybe something else or he's got a, he's got a drug issue or, you know, blah. this is somebody who was just like, like, I hate this put it and to put it so bluntly. But it's you see, it even sounds harsh when I say it, but he was molesting children for 30 years like that's crazy to kind of say that and not have that but like i said i feel like in general because the way you know it's black women it's young black girls and because he's sort of a celebrity like this is something where um like we just kind of have to do a deep dive in society and and, like i don't want to this not necessarily a joke but one of the most fascinating kind of uh documentaries i've seen recently was uh that espn on oj simpson Mm, where yeah. basically it, w- it was like maybe 15 percent 10 percent actually about oj but about the societal like things that kind of created oj and i think we kind of need to kind of do somewhat of a deep dive internally about like r kelly like you know r kelly 
isn't necessarily the problem. We were here. And like I said, it's, it's nice if we went to jail for 30 years. You know, hopefully we all know better. Hopefully, you know, maybe in the music industry will have its actual Me Too moment. But yeah, like it's, it's very bittersweet. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too. I mean, the, the culture shifted to the point where it was okay to go after R. Kelly. And that's the thing. Like, like back in the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, it wasn't, you know, like, okay, you know, R. R. Kelly was making hits, you know? So, like, like people kind of, like, brushed it off. Or, like, you know, you had the boondocks just, like, making fun of it. It was, like, kind of a punchline. It was a joke. Like, oh, just, like, R. Kelly being crazy. And, it, you know, people want to rail against cancel culture and, and Me Too and things like that. But, like, that had to happen for this to happen. And, yeah. you know, we, you know, people who are in power, who have that power unchecked for so long they need to have a reckoning you know i that there's no doubt about it you know um but it it took a lot of it took the culture shifting and i don't even think the culture like i don't even think it's all of the culture it took enough of the culture to shift you know for this to happen but there's still people who defend r kelly like to this day um you know and i know people who defend R. Kelly or say like, oh, it's like too harsh or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it, it yeah, it, it, I think you're right. It's just kind of like we, we definitely have to look at ourselves and continue to look at ourselves um, and kind of say like, why is it that, you know, like we allowed this to happen for so long? Um, and I'm, I'm not putting myself, you know, I'm also looking internally as well. You know, obviously. Yeah, no, same here. Like back in the 2010s when R. Kelly came on the radio or at the club, you know, I mean, he, he made bangers and I kind of like ignored all the things sometimes, but, um, trapped in the closet, me and my, like, I remember they had a Thanksgiving special where they showed all of them in a row and it's me and my parents in the living room watching trapped in the closet laughing, but you know, look what the fuck was happening and look what we all knew to a certain extent in the back of our yeah. heads. Yeah. So, you know, uh, <laughs> it is what it is, but, uh. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't wish him well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess in in more positive penal news, maybe. <laughs> uh, Nipsey Hussle's murder uh, got uh, basically was found guilty. I mean, it's good news, but similar to the R. Kelly bittersweet. I mean, I don't think anybody had any. Like you know, if you kind of followed the trial, if you kind of read what happened, there's there's not. There wasn't much here to kind of go on that there was any, and I think even in defense, the argument was that uh, not that he didn't murder Nipsey Hussle was the fact that it wasn't premeditated, basically. It was the only argument the defense could kind of put up, which obviously the jury didn't believe. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I guess it's nice for a sense of justice to kind of come around, similar to R. Kelly, but, you know, like I said, gun violence, like, you know, it's... I guess it's nice to know, you know, when people go to jail, I guess it's nice when settlements happen. I guess it's nice where you get a check and everything else, but you know, it's still a loved one going on. And, you know, Nipsey Hussle was somebody important for the culture. He's somebody where, you know, to actively try to do better, to actually reach out to the places that made him. He was by all definitions, a good guy and got taken out by a gun. And, you know, it just kind of sucks. And like, while this is a nice, neat bow of a story for the people who actually knew him, the people who his family, his his kids, it's fucking messy forever. So, I mean, 
like I said, it's 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 good news, but once again, bittersweet. Yeah, and like I, w- I was just rereading like how it all went down, and it's just like I I feel like I'm so disconnected from the street world, um, in a way where, and I don't have a gun, and like it's crazy how this is literally just like oh did you snitch boom boom right it was like a very kind of crazy like weird thing where if this wasn't Nipsey Hussle like you know it, it would not even make the news you know or I'll make like a little blip right um the fact that it was Nipsey Hussle obviously you know is why we're talking about it today um yeah I mean I I, I don't know like it, it I, I feel like there's no winners here you know I, I feel like you know um the the dude who got sentenced like Mr. Holder um product of his environment in a lot of ways not not making that as an excuse but you know there there are people who this is how they see resolution to beef or this is how they deal with conflict and trauma um is, is to to kind of have this you know this gunplay um and obviously Nip, Nipsey Hussle and his family like you know I think Nipsey even not him not being murdered I think he was already on the rise um, I think he was already kind of kind of be, um, you know, not like a maybe even even a Kendrick. I feel like like I were I wasn't hearing about Nipsey Hussle on national level until like right before he got like got murdered. So, um, yeah, like like no winners here, unfortunately. Um, and you know, I mean, I don't even want to get be on the, the whole gun ballots in America thing because. <laughs> this podcast is not long enough <laughs> you know like like dead ass this podcast is not long enough so um yeah just you know it, i i i guess justice is done but like i i don't even know if that's like the proper thing to even say here yeah no uh, it's it's like i said it's it's again bittersweet it's something where you know we're, we're happy that it happened like, you know, the, I should say specifically that he got found guilty, but we're not happy at all that that's what kind of happened. So, um, I don't know. I guess uh, on, on less 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 depressing news, um, it looks like... Well, here's, here's, here's good news, bad news. Good news, it looks like songwriters are going to get more of the bag. Bad news is only approximately... 5.1% more <laughs> of that bag. Are, are uh, you not are you not happy with that? I, I don't know. I, I get, like, that's you know that's 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 boiling. Um long story short, as usual within the business industry, there were negotiations regarding royalty rates and even though it took a couple of years, I believe five years they were hammering everything out between the union and everybody else. Finally, for publishing and songwriting rates, it used to be around 10%. Now we're at 15.1. Break out the bubbly. Break out the lines of cocaine. Break out the sex workers. We're partying. Um, obviously, a good thing. Obviously, not a great thing. Um, I think it's fascinating here where there's a recognition that they deserve some money, some more money. Hopefully, that'll get pushed even further. I mean, ideally... The big issue here is, and I and I think it's 
What's been kind of depressing about the streaming era is the fact of where you still have people, you know, there was a dark period of time in the music industry where nobody was getting the bag, where sales were down, then you really figure out where to monetize things, yada, yada, yada. Then you have your Apple Musics, you have your Spotify's, you've got your titles, they show up, there's a way to kind of make everything work. And now, you know, your record labels are making cash, hand over fist again, but have found a way to lock people out of even more of that cash. And, and while it's a correction that's long overdue, correction to work for like five years, hopefully it's just the beginning and it's a renegotiation of it because the thing is, the money is still coming in. The same, the same 70s cocaina, the same 70s Lamborghini, the same 70s, you know, big wigs and suits flying here to there to go buy, you know, to go to go buy off young, talented acts, you know, their life's blood, you know, and their albums of perpetuity. The, all that shit, all that level of money is still out there it is the fact that it's locked even more and more behind gatekeepers. So this is a correction, but not enough. So hopefully it's a beginning. Yeah. And, and I think like the most interesting thing, too, is um, like, I, you know, when I when I started getting in the music industry, and, and kind of like, you know, attending these seminars about, you know, like mechanical royalties and songwriting royalties. And, you know, I, I just remember I was like at one like event and this guy from one of record labels, like we were like hanging out at the world, like the one new World Trade Center uh, flex. Um, and <laughs> and like, that crystal, <laughs> you know. Um, after it got canceled, that's the real flex. <laughs> so, um, but you know, like, like, like this guy was like an older white guy and he's just like, I don't understand these rappers. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I'm ready for this boomer take. <laughs> but you know, he's basically just kind of like, they're putting, you know, like they put so much into production, whatever, like they're, they're leaving a lot of this money on the table when it comes to like mechanical royalties and basically, you know, he like broke it down. Like um, every time Whitney Houston sings, you know, I'm always with you. I'll always love you. Dolly Parton gets a check, right? Because Dolly Parton wrote, wrote that song, you know. So, you know, nobody likes the Dolly version. I'm sorry. I love Dolly Parton, but the Whitney version is better. <laughs> but every time I play the Whitney ver version, Dolly gets a check. Right. And her check is most likely, depending on how the, the contract is structured, like more than what Whitney's getting. <laughs> um, and I think they, I think they negotiated where like Whitney now gets more money or whatever. But just to illustrate, like, you know, there's a lot of value in, in, in this in this money. And if you are a songwriter, um, you know, you can get paid. Um, but even with that. You're not even getting paid a fraction of what you should be getting paid, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, you know, okay, great. You're like, you were getting paid 10%. I know some songwriters who like wrote for Kanye, ghost wrote for Kanye, and I see them in Dubai, not going to dox them, but you know, like, like, but if they got like, you know, 25, 30, 40% of that instead of 10%, that Dubai trip becomes like an investment fund or something like that. Right. And I think like that's kind of the problem where um, we're still fighting over like, you know, chump change at the end of the day. But it took so long to get that chump change, <laughs> you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's like a weird like segment of the podcast. where I'm like, I guess this is a win, but it's just like a question mark and a shrug, you know. 
Yeah, no, and, and I agree with you. Like the idea of where songwriters is, a, it's a really good hustle. You know, we know a couple shots to spree. Um, whereas it's like you know, it's, it's an easy way to kind of tone. You know, you know, like like it's it's a it's a very underrated talent. As somebody who's talented in musicianship, it's it's definitely a form of writing and labor. Like people have this idea of where you know. I'm just out here walking in the trees and all of a sudden the bursting of the melody, I'm just like, oh, that's a great melody. And I go home and I play that piano when it comes out. You know that Paul McCartney Beatles that shit? But that's not the way it works. And and irony was it was it Let It Be, where that that a Beatle documentary that came out on Apple recently where it shows them like working on the last album. Oh yeah. And what is it? It's a whole bunch of motherfuckers playing notes over and over and over again, arguing about them. Yeah. <laughs> For hours at a time. And that's basically songwriting. So, you know, it's definitely a labor. It's not something that's magical. It requires work. It requires practice. It requires a lot of fucking time. So the fact that these people deserve this money is not any kind of argument. And like I said, it's, it's the idea of where, you know, from them to the performer who has to sit there and do a take after take, from the bands who's got to practice over and over again to kind of nail it, to the engineers, all these motherfuckers make it happen. So it's kind of sad where... In a, we're in a weird industry where ultimately, I guess, the advertising agency makes all the money. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, 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 I've said this on the, this podcast, and I'll say it again. I don't understand why there's not a musician's union. Yeah. And, like, like you know, because, you know, directors, like, on the film side, directors have, have a, a union, screenwriters have a union, actors have a union. Like, there's no musician's union. Like it's it's so crazy to me. Yeah, and um, it's it's so labor. Like I guess it's it's there's something where, and I guess it's funny the way we kind of decompartmentalize a lot of creative arts as if it's just magic. But no, being a musician is fucking hard. Writing yeah. a song is fucking hard. Oh yeah, all this shit requires like as much. Like my office job is much easier than being a fucking musician by far. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, for sure. So it's it's kind of fucked up where at the end of the day there's that weird kind of disconnect where it's like, oh well, it's just you know he's out there in the loft playing his little guitar and then recording it and that's the Nirvana and shit. Nah, man, that shit's rough as fuck, bro. That shit's a hardcore. That's an eighty-hour job. <laughs> and, and, and and there's no sense of a re- return too. Yeah, like you can put in like you know ten thousand hours and you drop like a uh, you know something on Spotify, you get like three hundred screen uh, streams. You know. Yep. And it's good. Like that shit. That shit is well made, well oh, yeah. produced. Like so many, like back in a blog era, I would get so many emails of very talented people doing very solid music with like forty YouTube hits. Yeah, 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 for sure. And so. you know, yeah. So like I said, it's it's I I get the labor. I'm just saying that I think the idea of where effectively the advertising agency gets to keep all the cash is bullshit and like i said this is a correction you know they've they've lost five percent of it so hopefully like you know the other parties involved hopefully this is the beginning of a more of a snowball than anything else in the world mm, yeah but inflation went up 8.6 percent so it's throwing out here <laughs> i try to get us back <laughs> uh, the prison system depression now he's just like yeah hey, we all we're out of jail but we're gonna go and be poor anyway <laughs> <laughs> But on, I guess, funnier notes? I don't know. Um, in the podcast, we've talked about Reg and Stone PR agency. Um, if you hit us up on our website, you know what I'm saying? We have business cards. Um, we're here to guide you through certain life decisions you make as an artist to basically pop up 
and tell you not to do that shit. Um, Macy Gray. We like Macy Gray. Macy Gray's cool. Macy Gray gets hits. Multi-talented. You know, actress too. You know what I'm saying? Somehow, I don't know what happened. I guess her management decided she should go over to the UK and go hang out with basically the UK Bill O'Reilly and just go on a classic anti-trans rant, which basically has had her do PR on her gram for the last 72 hours or so, trying to basically walk all those statements back. And I'd like to say this. <clears throat> Noriega recently had a whole rant, basically, subly going at Cardi B, but not necessarily where he's basically like, hey, you artists keep going to these white media places, you know, yada, yada, yada. Why don't you come to us? You know, we're, we're for the culture. You, you're, going, you're going out there to your David Letterman's, giving them the, the, the streams, giving them the fucking props. You need to come here. And at that time, I was just like, damn, Nori, you're a little hater. But I get it now. You know, at the end of the day, you've got to realize that, you know, a lot of these media places don't necessarily have your best interests in mind. And they also feed basically their kids that's how they make the money by hot takes and you know as far as i know macy gray isn't on her kanye is just that you know she kind of walked in you know gave an honest answer which we could talk about i don't think she necessarily meant to be anti-trans with capital a i don't think she went on there on her fucking you know jk rowlings but you know obviously gave a misinformed answer you know try to walk it back a little bit but, you know, you're showing up there with Piers Morgan, who's already basically fucking the Tucker Constant of the UK. You, you kind of fucked up already. You kind of put an image out there. And I, and I think we have to be kind of very cognizant of when we do, like, these kind of interviews, these kind of fucking, you know, because like I said, it's at the end of the day, you know, hip-hop and the culture and even just black culture in general is, is huge. And while, yeah, it's nice to show up and see your face and, like, fucking doing Jimmy Fallon, I don't think you need to do that anymore. And I, and I think it's a little unfortunate here where I feel like she kind of got set up, long story short. See, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like, did she get set up? Or, like, did she just, like, she, she know, knew what she was doing, right? Like, is she on that, like, Daniel Caesar, you know, <laughs> Candace Owens type of vibe anyway, right? I, I, the thing is, I would it's it's her walk back. So my thing is, if she was on something like she'd be like, I said what I said, but it's very much like you look. I'm pro trans and this and that, and you know I don't want to get into the weeds. I mean, I, what I find interesting about that particular discussion is that most trans people, depending on how you present it, would agree that they're not cisgendered. Is just the fact of where that kind of line is basically, you know, it's it's that that's that's the that's the 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 that's the rock a lot of these transphobes and these homophobes and these bigots kind yeah. of build their thing on. And the thing is, you know, like I said, I could I could I could see an argument somehow where she didn't mean to say it the way she said it, but if you're going to go on a right-wing white show, <laughs> you know how it's going to be seen. Like anybody rashly would be like, "Oh, immediately is going to go into this pipeline. It's not like she went on fucking, you know, I'm trying to think of who, maybe like Ellen. I'm trying to think of maybe another queer show she could have went on where it's just like it could have helped to parse what was happening here or have a really fruitful discussion. But it's like you can't go on these shows. Like, dude's a bigot. Dude was dude was there fucking talking shit about Beyonce. Dude talking shit about rappers and the culture. Like, this is not a good dude. So when you go out there and get asked these questions, you're effectively co-signing him and you're falling into those same traps because whatever nuanced argument you're making 
will never be nuanced because that motherfucker does not deal in nuance. He deals in fucking bigoted yeah. hot takes. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. Like, like I don't know. Like, part of me is just like, I really want to give Maisie Gray the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, her publicist was like, oh, this Pierce Morgan guy, he's British. She's cool. You know, <laughs> um, but also too, I, I don't know. Like, like I, I, I can't tell. Like, I haven't really been following this like closely, but I can't tell if like she was cognizant and aware. Like, it's kind of weird too. Like, you going on a news show when you're a musician as well. Like, I, I don't know. Like, like if she was on Ellen or Tonight Show or whatever, I'd be different. But this is like, pure, like, like why, why even have Macy Gray on? in the first place yeah like you know so um but look i i it, it's really sad like i i know people who are gender fluid and identify as transgender or or whatever like and it doesn't bother me like you know it, it is what it is but um i guess i can't be too surprised that like a 55 year old black woman you know she's 55 yeah, like not not knowing ah. like <laughs> black what, don't crack. Yeah, like I, I I'm not I'm not surprised by I think by by like what she says. Like oh, fifty four. She's fifty four. You um, age her by year. How dare you, Stone? I, I know. I that know. One like, year is important. <laughs> I mean, if, if Macy Gray wants to come after me, like, that's fine. She has her own issues right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. Like, I had her thoughts. I, I, I think the black community will like has struggled with LGBT like Q rights for a long time. Um, so this like coming from her is not a surprise. Um, obviously, she needs better people. Um, she needs better people to like. If she, you know, it did it was inadvertently on Pierce Morgan, she needs better people to like figure that shit out <laughs> and say like you yeah. should be going on the show, you know. Um, or if she knew she was going on the show, she needs better people to say like, hey, you know what? Like just, just, just shut up. Just don't say anything. Like it's fine. It's fine. Like you know, you like it's, you protect your bag. If you've you got know. nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, protect your bag. Be like, you know, let's talk. I'm here. Who's who's the dude? I, I forgot who, who like, was in the interview. It was like, I just want to talk about my album. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you need to do that. Like, I'd be like, I just, I just want to talk about my album, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Like, like, at a certain point, it's like... You, you gotta, got, you gotta know your lanes, guys. I think across the board, it's like you know, if 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 you want to do your social fucking political fucking speeches, you know, you can. Nobody's saying you cannot. It's it's a free world, but perhaps if what you're known for is you know playing bass lines, perhaps if you know if what you're known for is basically you know doing a dope drum beats. Not saying you can't make those takes, but you should definitely get your education up. Is what I'm saying. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, That's yeah. what I'm saying is, you know, and, and I think going on a Piers Morgan, you know, a.k.a. the U.K. Tucker Carlson, I'm going to guess you probably didn't do the, 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 the necessary homework. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad look. It's a bad, bad look. look. I, I don't know who. And, and I'll give, I'll, I'll say this. Like, you know, I've gone on press tours where, like, artists have no idea where they are, what city they're in. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like a 10-hour press tour. <laughs> and who they're speaking to, you know. 
But somebody somebody messed it up for Macy if she didn't mess it up for herself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whew. But uh, here's our favorite part. You know what I'm saying? The new music. You know, no social political stuff here. You know what I'm saying? Well, maybe. You know, I might, I might throw some shots. Who knows? Who knows? I feel like we're very social political with Drake. I feel like the Canadian hate comes out of all of us. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's how it comes out. But uh, I guess I'll start off one of my favorites. I always forget how he pronounces Namandi. Namandi is, I believe, Chicago-based uh, multi-instrumentalist uh, black artist. He's dropped a lot of records a couple of years ago, and I have to go look it up quickly. I think it's called Brat. Yes. He dropped a record called Brat, which is one of my favorites. He's somebody where, even though he plays a mean-ass guitar, um, kind of does this weird hybrid thing where it's almost like he's a he's a very astute student of pop music. So, obviously, he's a black man. You'll you'll hear a lot of bops who kind of veer towards the R&B, veer a little bit towards trap, but he knows how to put it very well together and for a very hard, very hard, sharp pop sensibility. Um Last year he dropped a EP which I missed up until I saw the, pro- the the promo for this record, which is basically like a punk album, quote unquote. But even that punk album was just really well made because it wasn't necessarily punk; it was like post punk. It reminded me a lot. And it's gonna sound like a bad comparison, but you know what I'm saying. It reminded me a lot of basically Block Party with the angular guitars, oh, and the rhythm put together, just just a really complex piece of rock music. Um, this new record basically has him back in his like more pop centric bag, but I can't even say that completely because he's somebody who devils in who de- devils <laughs> who dabbles in let's say like Afrobeats and Af- you know traditional African music up to guitar and everything else. But long story short, after that little mini glow up, he signed a secretly Canadian, which is a glowing up indie record label, and he's gonna drop his next record on it. And that's about it. Um, long story short, is this like a, an artist we're kind of keeping an eye on? It comes out in a couple of weeks, and I'm looking forward to it. That's about it. Cool, cool. Um, I, I switch it up a little bit because I want to keep it Chicago. Um, and we will talk about uh, Lupe Fiasco's new album, Drill Music in Zion. Da, da, da. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't been checking for Lupe Fiasco for a long time. Um, and you know, I only started checking for this album because they're just like people I know and trust who like say, Hey, listen to this album. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm going to do this because you, you told me to, you know? Um, and <laughs> who, who like a couple of those people were just saying, uh, listen to the Harry Styles, by the way, which is actually a really dope album. Um, but they're like, oh, this, this Lupe album is great. It's it's a return to form, and you know it, it is. You know, one of my friends said uh, it is the best hip hop album of the year. Um, I'm not going to go that far. I don't think it is the best hip album of the year. Hip hop album of the year. I, maybe I just have to listen to it a few more times. But I will say it's it's a return to form for Lupe Fiasco. I think like. Lupe, I mean, he's had his, his, his issues, um, and I think a lot of it is just trying to be, like, a black rapper in America. Like, I know he had a lot of issues with Atlantic Records, and they kind of pushed him to, to kind of do more, like, pop stuff, and, you know, I think he wanted to be a little bit more, like, you know, I guess, like, conscious, and um, that kind of threw him off. Um, I know there was, like, a, a period where he was, like, storming on concerts and things like that. Um, yes. 
So, you know, I, I, and I think like that's, I want to like, I, I mean, I mentioned it, but I, I do want to give this a fresh take. Um, and I think it's, it's a really solid album. Like there's like really cool, I'll say like pop focused singles like Adobado. Um, but there's also like, you know, Drill Music in Zion, which feels like a little bit more of like a J. Cole type single. Um, and then there's like, you know, he's doing a lot of different things like Precious Things. It's like more trip hop. And I think his flow is a lot different from what I remember. Um, but he's also older and wiser. Um, and I, I think it's a very solid album and, you know, a very solid like hip hop album um, that, you know, speaking of people not getting the streams, like, like it's not getting the streams that it needs to. Like, I, I feel like if J. Cole made this album, it would be like on Pitchfork and all these other places as like the best album. Because I think the production is very solid. I think, you know, I think Lupe is not like, you know, I, I maybe lost a step in the the rhyming department, um, but he's still a fairly solid MC, and you know I, I think this is an, a, a really good album. Um, it, it it comes at a very interesting time for like this type of hip hop too, because you have like Griselda people, and you do have like you know a J Cole, and you do have some other people. Like like Namir and th- things like that, like kind of keeping this kind of torch alive for quote unquote boom bap. Um, and I think Lu- Lupe is maybe trying to find his footing, but again, I I do think it's something that I'll come back to. Maybe it'll sneak on the top ten, but right now I'm not sure. Not right now. I don't think it's like super amazing, but I do think it's a solid project. Nice. Um, I have to admit I am not the biggest Lupe fan. Um, but it's odd just because I've been following his career for a very long time. I remember when he was, wow, I remember years ago, like in, in the in the early hypebeast scene where he was kind of blowing up and he had those early like songs and mixtape stuff and he used to post online. And I think of Lupe, it's always been kind of fascinating to me because he's always been obviously a very talented artist. And I say that with a capital A. He's always had a great ideas and you know, interesting kind of things of, of tackling. And, and like you said, it was kind of fascinating because he was also somebody where you could tell, you know, maybe, I don't know, internally or pop, most likely externally, where it's like, hey, you've got all the boxes checked off. You should be huge. You should be gigantic. You should be like, you should be your J. Cole. You should be out there with Kid Cudi. You should be out there with Kanye West. And, and I think is the idea of where he never really had it in him. Uh, and I could kind of, and I, like I said, I felt like there was a period of time where he was kind of bitter. Like, I remember when he was, like, trying to quit the music industry and everything else, and he kind of he could see it because, you know, on the one hand, he's somebody who's very talented. He's tapped in. Like, he knows what he's doing. He knows the artistry involved, and he's a very smart individual. On the other hand, you've got the idea of, I guess, realizing that that's unnecessarily rewarded, you know what I'm saying? Like a Radiohead, yeah. Beyonce. Like, these artists who are critically acclaimed and get the bag are not many. Like, you know, going back to the idea of when we had a yeah. discussion about copyrights. Like, for the most part, you know, you're, you're still dealing with that evil advertising agency that, you know, takes your art, does what it wants to do with it, may not treat it with the respect it does. You know, it's not a diss to what you're bringing to the table. Artistry-wise, it's just, you know, it bees like that some way. That's the way the industry always is. And I think it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's about time, like, in this era for him to kind of, you know, he's older, he's wiser, it's going to be interesting to see him kind of settle into, I guess, his more rap elder mode only because, you know, he's somebody who's been through it all and he doesn't really have to prove anything. 
And also, I think he has a really good sense of self. You know, what I'm saying he's very self-actualized at this moment in time. Like, yeah. You know, I was, like I'm like I realize it's gonna sound weird to say like this. I think I like Lupe Fiasco interviews more than I actually like Lupe Fiasco music. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, long story short, I was reading some stuff about this album, and like he's, his head seems definitely on straight and, and has an idea and a vision. And and that's why I, again, even like I said, I'm not the biggest fan. But I remember when he was like like threatening to quit, and I felt like he was real about. it. I was like, damn, it's a goddamn shame because the game actually kind of needs him to a certain extent. And it's and it's going to be interesting to see him kind of in this role because it's like it's you've got two things happening. Like you said, a he's older, wiser, so he has this hip hop elder statesman statesman thing going on, but not necessarily because he's still doing a lot of cool new shit and a lot of cool new shit in an era where we're having a reappreciation of that too. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how his career kind of progresses from this point on. But yeah, like I've heard a lot about the truck and I heard it's really good. Again, I'm a hater. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I kind of want to, but I am happy to see Lupe Fiasco kind of refining his footing again. So you know, yeah, to him. for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Well, I'll keep it moving uh, with uh, another album I stumbled upon um, this past week. Uh, Saul Williams. Uh, the prolific multi, I, you know, I can't even count all the things that Saul Williams does uh, on a daily basis. Um, but uh, it's probably have, a mean chef, too. Uh, dude, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't bet be you surprised. he picks up some mean fucking plantains, man. I, I, like, I don't know if he's still if he's still in France or he's back in Brooklyn. But like, you know, if, if you live in France, it's like you just of course you're going to cook. Like they don't let you in the country unless you cook. Um, but uh, yeah, so the the project is called Unanimous Gold Mine, which is a soundtrack to Neptune Frost, which you have seen the actual movie that he directed. Um, I wonder, like, because I I'll, I'll talk about like the the music because I, I I'll just like summarize it where I, I feel like Saul, Saul Williams is is very underappreciated. Um, as an artist and yes. as a, a, a kind of a, a, a torchbearer for the culture. I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that he's done, um, I, I, you know, it, it, you know, we talked about Jesus and like how that like really was influenced by Saul Williams. Like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that where he kind of blurred the lines of like, you know, maybe hip hop uh, and punk. Um, and all other things like, you know, electronic music. You know, I know you've worked with like Trin Reznor for a while, um, you know, and I, and I feel like um, he's still underground. And I think that's probably like maybe where he, he works best, um, you know, but um, he, his influence over the culture is huge. And it's really hard to kind of, describe a Saul Williams album because it can go in like 50 different directions and I thought this this soundtrack was the same way where it's like you know it's definitely kind of steeped in like African kind of sounds but like it's not cheap enough to go Afrobeat right <laughs> um, like it's it, that could be an easy cheap way to say like oh I have this like African sound thing I'm just going to do Afrobeat I'm just going to be Drake you know but it's more steeped in, in like the cultural relevance of like African rhythms, but still feels like different and new and, and just like incredible. And the funny thing is I listened to this album, not really knowing it was a soundtrack. 
and I like had like the movie in my head. And then I saw the trailer and like, oh shit, like it's exactly what I thought. Like neon, <laughs> Afro futuristic, you know, like, you know, mixing elements of like the future or tribal African like like dress and things like that. And I was just like, oh shit, like this this is it's very skillful for, for somebody to, to paint that picture with just music, you know. So um so yeah, it, it's definitely like uh, it might be one of my favorites this year. Like it snuck up on me. Like I, I, I kind of started listening to it. I'm like, this is really unique and really cool. And it's Saul Williams doing what Saul Williams does best, but on a completely different plane than some of his earlier work. So I have to give him props for that. And you actually saw the movie. Yeah, no, no, you know, no. Like so, um, the, as a Brooklyn hipster, you are. <laughs> I, I had to go there. It was just like. You, you, you boho, you must go. I felt the boho, the boho carrying call. I looked up in the sky, there was a carry shell in the middle of the night. It was like, you must go <laughs> and support Saul Williams. Um, no, I saw it. It's, it's a good movie. Obviously independent. Um, long story short, I forget where they filmed it in Africa pre- precisely. But it's, a, it's actually a bunch of Burundian um, refugees or some of the actors in it. Mm. Um, long story short, it's a project, project that's been kicking around for a minute. Yeah, I think it was a, it was originally a graphic novel. Then they were thinking about doing it as a play. But then they were like, well, the play, you know, even though plays are kind of cheaper than movies, they kind of aren't because you've got to, you know, months of practicing, staging, where do you yeah. have it, yada, yada, yada. So they're like, all right, they figured the easiest way to kind of, you know, for this iteration of this project that he was working on, it's like, we'll just do like, you know, basically do a low budget movie. Um, they do a lot of little, basically, you know, great costumes, great ideas trippy it's, it's a really fun movie to watch i will say this much one of the things i left with oddly enough was a hatred of indie movie theaters you know why because those speakers there do not knock at all because <laughs> during the movie itself you have some older soul williams kind of reappropriated so you'd hear like a bass line or something or like a, like a, and i'd be like wait a minute oh i think that's that like that's the Saul williams song from xyz except that should hit you like you know the five dollar, you know, headphones you get at like the dollar store. You know what I'm saying? It's not there, there is no mega base here. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's very, very low budget, jet blue free airlines <laughs> fucking headphones kind of hit, kind of hitting. Um, so if you have a chance to go see it, definitely watch it in a um, real movie theater. But uh, but no, it's it's just a great. All I can describe to you is that music plays a heavy part of the movie enough where it could almost make it, it reminded me a lot of where i guess back in the days you would have like the beatles hard days night where you'd have almost these like these musical movies where it's not necessarily a musical per se but it's obviously a visual representation of a companion of an album you know what I'm saying like kind of yeah. like what beyonce was doing things like that and that's definitely this movie music plays you know there's probably you know, even though there's even though there's obviously dialogue, even though there's plot, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure if I kind of went back and like paid attention, probably sixty percent of the movie is probably sound or music or something or or like you know even if they aren't even if if it's not the eight oh eights and the synths and the guitar and everything else in the background, you might have some people kind of chanting in the background, like you know just walking from point A to point B and they're chanting like a Saul Williams <laughs> song or something, you know what I'm saying? That's but, cool. You know, translated. So yeah. um. Great movie. Like I said, is even in that those very shitty clock radio speakers like pass for <laughs> sound system in your local indie movie theater, you could tell the shit knocks. So I'm very not surprised that the, the soundtrack is also equally as dope. 
And I agree with you. I think Solium is very interesting because he's one of those dudes where he'll never get, well, I don't want to say never. Knock on wood, he's a young dude still. Who knows? But his influence in the culture is insane. Like, this is a dude that had Nine Inch Nails basically as his backing band, you know, for an album. You can't really come, like, crazier than that. And I think that, you know, considering where he's done, you know, from poetry to, you know, like, he's Afropunk. Like, the like the ideal of Afropunk, I can't think of an artist that embodies it more than Saul Williams. And I think that, you know, he hasn't gotten his flowers yet, per se, I'm hoping, like like I said, even though it's an indie movie, it's I think we might see it. I don't know if it'll make the Academy Awards, but I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, those those, you know, maybe not a Golden Globe, but you know, allow those more independent but like critically acclaimed critically acclaimed um awards he might catch, you know, along the way. Hopefully it gets bigger distribution. Hopefully somebody brings him a bag. Maybe it'll show up on like fucking, you know, HBO Max, who knows? But uh yeah, he's just it's it's just fascinating to me because He's just still dope. And this dude's been yeah. dope for a very long time. Dope and ahead of the fucking, just, just ahead of everybody. So it's kind of fascinating to kind of watch. And, you know, I would highly recommend you kind of see it. You know, I would not necessarily think of it as a big movie experience. You're going to see explosions and shit. But just think of it as, a, you know, an hour and 20 minute long Dope Saul Williams video. And that's what it basically is. Um, but, you yeah, know, huge fan. Like I said, I haven't heard the album per se in its form, but I've definitely seen the movie. The soundtrack was bumping. Like I said, I was, I was hurt. By not being able to, to feel the eight of waste, I know the way they're fucking, <laughs> you know, the engineer worked on them. But either way, kind of still kind of left me and made me, you know, it, it moved me. And I, like I said, it's, it's just dope. It's, it's like, I, I'm hoping that, like, you know, I'm hoping that this movie serves as, as a jumping point for a new era of Saul Williams and he finally kind of gets his bag and shit. I hope people go back to his old shit because, bruh, so after that movie, because there was a period of time when the movie came out, because the soundtrack only came out, I think, in the last week or so. Yeah. So basically, when I saw the movie, like, let's say, three weeks or so, four weeks or so, I went back to his fucking old albums, like, from the old shit. Bro. And I could take that shit now and put my face on the cover and put that bitch out, and then I'd be on the cover of fucking Pitchfork and shit, Bro, man. <laughs> that, 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 that shit knocked so hard, dude. Yeah, like, and it's like, damn, like, dude's still futuristic. So it's like, damn it. And it's like, you know... I'm hoping the fact of where it seems to be there's some eyeballs in this film, at least in the cinema wise, it'll kind of lead to people kind of exploring what he's done and kind of, you know, just, just break him up. Because like I said, he's still just doing really regularly dope shit. So props to him. Yeah. Uh, I, let's try a hack one of the, the AMC Dolby theaters. <laughs> Bruh, it was, <laughs> you know, and like all the people who, who are going to see like Thor Ragnarok, we like play this movie. <laughs> like I'm, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to do that <laughs> right now. Because you know you have those apps where I was like, oh, we'll, go get, we'll make sure it's Dolby Sound. We'll make sure it's THX and all these other things. It's like literally it feels like the local indie theater is oh, just like, it's it just made for white people arguing for themselves. Like that's what the engineer was like, all right, I, this, is the, this is the perfect timber right here. No, no bass, no nothing. Just like, I, you know, intra-marriage drama, perfect. I, <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, speaking of indie films, I will see the Freddie Gibbs one. Oh, I heard about this. That looks really dope, actually. Yeah, like, no, that, I, that, I would... that like I I will support that. I will I will go to my local like this could be my seventy inch TV <laughs> a movie my theater. local theater, quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> to to support, uh, you know. And it's not for the sound. It's just just so I can put money in in Freddie's pocket. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, no, definitely like you know, look, support independent black cinema, cinema like. 
Period. I mean, yes. I, this, like this movie was it was a GoFundMe. You know, it's not like anything that was from a studio or anything like that. And Saul Williams has just been like literally putting the culture on his back for like twenty years. So, um, you know, please support. Yeah, that's about it. So uh, that ends it for us all. Like I said, um, if you're having any kind of if you're a young bubbling artist, and maybe your manager is like, hey, it'd be a really good idea for you to go on Fox News. Hit Regina Stone up, you know what I'm saying? PR team. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll talk to your manager for you. We'll go out there and slap the kufi off the head, be like, what the fuck are you thinking? And, you know, we'll help you out. But, um, but as but usual, you, you, I'll, I'll say, like, if you do, we'll you Olivia Pope that shit. And just, like, yes. we, we'll help the fallout. We'll help you, Look, you know, craft I, I, your, if, your apology on, like, the Apple Notes message and take a screenshot. We got you. And, like I said, you know, I'm pretty sure Puff Daddy. Here and there, probably had to like have a TV producer, you know, thrown off a building. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's what it takes. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Piers Morgan takes a, a, a tumble down the tube. <laughs> <laughs> Do death threats count across the waters? I think I, we're safe, right? Legally, I think we're fine. I I I, I hope so, dude. I, I hope, hope so. so. But uh, but anyway, <sighs> look, guys and gals, shit's still happening out there. Shit is still unsafe. All we ask for y'all is to take care of y'all because we love y'all, take care of each other. You know what I'm saying? All we need is love. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, basically the world's beating me down so badly. I'm in platitudes now. I'm going to start yeah. fucking speaking in Dr. Seuss language next fucking I mean, podcast. We, we, we need a re, We Are the World part two. <laughs> like right now. With, with 21 Savage because he's been killing the bars. I mean, you know, who, whoever, whoever we can get. 21, Dua Lipa, like, you know. <laughs> So twenty one, Dua Lipa. You have to have Beyonce will be the Michael Jackson. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, no, like Beyonce will take all of the high notes yeah. and verses. Her and Christina will, will argue over that. You know, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I guess we'll have Tom York could kind of be you two, maybe. I, I don't. I don't know if Tom York is popular enough for the, for for the other world. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, I, I imagine said Dragons. Yes, probably. All right, imagine Room Dragons. Maroon 5 will be Maroon on there. Five, Maroon 5 has to be. You they know. did not pass up any check. <laughs> so Maroon 5 will absolutely be there. And, and, and The Roots. The Roots and, will oh, be on there. Two, like you, you two working be, class bands. Like you have to be. Never, the, yeah, you have to have The Roots on, on anything. Certified. <laughs> <laughs> but if that's what it's going to take, y'all, well, let's, let's make it happen. Let's so. make it happen. Uh, like I said, we love y'all. Peace. Peace.